Hey everybody, happy Sunday. This is the Phantom Power Artist Hour. This is where we interview artists who are in the value-verse, artists who believe in Bitcoin, artists who believe in value for value. We're gonna talk about their background, we're gonna talk about their influences, we're gonna share crazy stories about being a musician, and of course, we'll be talking about value for value. What is value for value, you ask? Value for value is a mindset, it's a mantra, it's a way of life. It is where when you put something out into the universe that has value to it, people will give you value in return. And in our case, we're talking Bitcoin, we're talking Satoshis. And these artists who believe in this, who have been dropping their music over into this new revenue stream, they're doing really well. They're doing better than they are with the traditional streaming models. And this is just the beginning. These are all, these folks are all early adapters and just wait until you see what is gonna happen with all of this stuff next. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. So my name is Jim and I am the host and I'm thrilled that you guys are hanging out with me today. I, uh, today's guest, the one and only uh, Texas native, Daddy Nat. Love this guy's voice, love his writing. Wait till you hear his story, man. Like, I, you know, the dude spent some time in uh, New Zealand. Uh, wait till you hear the stories about Bitcoin and uh, initial investing efforts. And, and then just his thought process on writing and recording and what he's doing now. Really cool guy, uh, a lot of fun. I, I actually recorded this about two weeks ago um, because I was getting out of town and I was kind of stacking up my interviews and I had kind of forgotten the contents of it until I sat down today and re-listened to it. Um, had a lot of fun with this conversation, really love the guy. So I am gonna shut up and we are going to play a song and then we will bring on Daddy Nat. The first song that we're gonna hear is one of his own, of course, and if you dig it, you gotta boost it. This song is called Happy Birthday. Here we go. I might be lost, but I'm still young. I might not take the right path home. Just another day and I'm looking down Too much weight upon my shoulder now Hey Sound. 
like my luck might change soon So I'm waving back I know you once knew me I feel like I could bring you back to me But it's cool if it ain't right Then it don't feel good Can't try anymore, no good And I love you too much, too much, baby If I'm all good, why? That was Happy Birthday from Daddy Nat. And I am thrilled to have Daddy Nat on the phone or on the line or on the, on the cans, as you say. Dude, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm very good, man. Thank you so much for having me, brother. I, uh, I appreciate you for uh, you know, facilitating this. I know you got uh, a bunch of artists on every week, and, and you made it happen pretty quickly. So I appreciate you for having me on. Yeah, I love your voice. I love your... Uh, your writing, I love your your so your social media cracks me up, dude. You got a good <laughs> game going on, man. Like, Appreciate you, brother. <laughs> yeah, very cool thing with can I sing you a song on Instagram? Tell me, let's start there. Tell me, like, where would you come up with that idea? That's good. Yeah, man. Uh, so that particular idea, I think I had been. Man, social media is a tough like pill to crack. I could talk mm -hmm. all day about it. I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about it on here. But uh, I had noticed that the videos that I was doing kind of like out and amongst people, you know, outside, as they say, right? Whether it was, uh, I think that particular one was uh, at, at University of Texas. I'm here in Austin, but uh, University of Texas campus. And, and we've done other ones like down on 6th Street and downtown and all that jazz. Uh, but yeah, for that particular one, man, it, it was uh, really just that I had seen some success with that. And I was like, what else can I do to like get people to engage somehow? You know what I mean? Like I had done one where I had uh, set up a sign where it basically said, Know, do you play guitar uh, and, and would and have random people come up and play instruments with me uh, <laughs> outdoors and uh, actually you know some of it it wasn't half bad you know to be completely honest and it was uh, a really cool experience I think both for myself and the audience and so yeah man I I, <laughs> I I try to get as creative as I can every week you know usually on a Sunday I'll throw a bunch of ideas against the wall and that just happened to be one that, that landed that week for the list and uh, and yeah, man, I'm glad you got a kick out of it. I uh, I also had a lot of fun making it. Yeah, and the and the one where that where the older guy comes up and he's like, yeah, I play guitar. I played for like 45. And he picks up a strat and he starts throwing <laughs> some riffs in. I'm like, 
that's i mean it's beautiful it is just i mean i mean i you know we, we all know why you have to do social media to try and drive interaction and whatnot but right. that that just speaks to the utter beauty and community that is art and that is music for sure man it's the universal language yeah uh yeah that sure. guy uh that was so random you know what i mean uh his name was uh john i believe and yeah he basically just out of nowhere came up he was on a jog like quite literally he was like running there's a trail around there he was on a jog and he ran into one of his other buddies who kind of you know uh usually came out and they would uh they jam sometimes you know do some busking stuff like that and uh and he he came up and said yeah i've been playing for a bit i'd love to play and then just shredded our faces off so yeah man it, it's it's beautiful what will happen if you're like willing to give it a shot and, yeah. You know, like social media, dude, is such a tough like pill to swallow for so many musicians, particularly. Yeah. And you got to have fun with it the same way that whenever you're sitting in the studio and you're working on a new record or whatever you're doing, you're mixing a song, you're uh, writing a song, whatever it is like that's a beautiful process. You know, that's like one that like I think is the reason that I've continued to make music is because it's just so fun. And I think content creation Man, it's hard to be that way about it because uh, there's a you know there's other dynamics to it. I suppose you know you have video involved uh, and audio. I suppose, but but yeah, at the end of the day, it's if, if you can have fun with it, I find that that's usually the the best, and it's also the videos that perform the best. So yeah, <laughs> that's kind of my philosophy with it. Yeah, and content. You know, I social media is a real real bitch. You know, because you're not like. At, I mean, you, you can make the argument, I guess, at your core that you're an entertainer, but you know, you're, you're an artist and, a, and, and a songwriter, right? Like, and, and, and that's a different mindset than being a content creator with respect to, I got to come up with something, you know, that's 50 seconds long. That's going to look beautiful on this little screen. Like that's a different mindset. That's a totally dude, different mindset. Dude, it, uh, it totally is. And it's one that, uh, man like i've had to work on i think some people just find me and they see me that i've you know put these videos out and they're you know they they like them or they don't but you know for those of you who do uh you know I, bro i started doing social media and probably like 2017 2018 is the first time i really started taking it seriously prior to that man i had just been writing songs and playing shows and uh yeah. you know i was in kind of a rock band and 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 didn't take social media seriously at all and uh and it's a journey, man, just like making music is. Some people are naturally talented at it, but for me personally, I've had to, to work pretty hard on it. And I think it's, you know, just go easy on yourself. Like, as long as you're putting in your best effort, I think that's the, the best way to approach it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, we could, dude, we could, we could spend three hours talking about just social media. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. So, all right. So let's get back to the beginning here. Let's go, let's get back to daddy Nat, the songwriter and, and the musician. Like where, where does it all start? Does it, does it start in Austin in fourth grade with the recorder that you were handed in public school? Did it, <laughs> does it start in Bismarck, North Dakota with a mandolin? Like where does it start? Uh, so, so I guess if we're going back to the very beginning, so uh, although I live in Austin now, I'll go ahead and clarify. I grew up in a little town called uh, Athens, Texas, kind of in Northeast Texas, like, you know, maybe 10,000, 11,000 people uh, and, uh, and very quiet for the most part. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I got in when I was really young, I kind of always had a knack for singing. My dad 
uh, was kind of an acquirer at the church that I grew up at. And, uh, and you know, I, I just kind of came by it naturally and, and always was attracted to music. Uh, but I never really picked up an instrument until I was 11 or 12. Picked up the guitar. It was all ACDC, classic rock, Led Zeppelin, you know, uh, Van Green. Halen. And like, dude, just like, just uh, Steely Dan at certain points, you know, just kind of like, just having so much fun in that era. Cause like, dude, there's so much, um, you know, it even took me a while to get to the Beatles, but like, you know, kind of, and, and, and Elvis, like, there's just so much fun in being able to kind of just be a music nerd. Uh, yeah. And, and as I, as I did that, um, you know, we'd play all these different covers. Uh, I, I ended up getting in a band when I was about 14. We were called the Suffocating Vegetables, a cover band for all of our favorite uh, classic rock songs. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, dude, just like from there, I kind of saw the dream. I was the only one who uh, really like wanted to sing and had a knack, I guess, to some degree for singing. And so, uh, so I became the lead singer there and kind of just like grew into it. A couple of years later, started writing songs. Um, had a very unique experience uh, you know, starting whenever I was about 18, where I, uh, so, so I started writing songs around 16. When I was 18, uh, of course, college came up, and I had a very kind of almost bizarre but awesome opportunity to go to university in New Zealand. And so I went to university for three and Whoa. a half years and lived uh, originally in a town called Christchurch uh, yeah. at a, a University of Canterbury. There were some earthquakes there in 2011, so I left. Went to Damn. Dunedin, which was uh, University of Otago, and uh, and when I was there, I founded a band uh, that we called Simple Thieves, and um, yeah, man, like had a wrote a ton, really started like getting deep into the songwriting at that point, and uh, you know had a worked with a couple of producers and recorders to to write our first records, and I think you guys can still find it somewhere online, but it's Simple Thieves, uh, and I uh, was the lead singer of that, and kind of just. You know, at that time, man, everything was written on like a guitar. So I would yeah. just write songs, you know, with my vocals and a guitar. And then I'd have three other players with me who were all badasses uh, and, and just could pick it up, you know, and just naturally, you know, would we would write the songs almost, you know, kind of fluidly that way. Um, and it was a very, you know, smooth process. And anyway, did that, uh, eventually left New Zealand, came to Austin, uh, the band, we had a, a lot of regional success uh, and, you know, did even some like festivals and a little bit of touring. Uh, but uh, ultimately, you know, <laughs> bands are hard to manage, brother. Yeah. And so I moved back to Austin. And uh, although I had a band that I formed over here and brought a lot of the songs with, I uh, immediately picked up Ableton at that point. I started just really kind of like diving into the craft of production and, and, and leveraging a dog. Because prior to that, man, it was it was just really what other people were using, you know, pro tools, usually if I went to a studio or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it, uh, and it evolved to where I kind of just fell in love with the whole idea that you can make any sound from any, you know, any style or genre of music, whatever you're feeling that day, you can, you can create it, uh, <laughs> in this laptop, which, you know, at the time I was still integrating a lot of the instrumentation that I had done with the bands uh, which I think kind of gave me just an edge from a songwriting perspective. And uh, even then, man, it took me, you know, that was uh, probably 2014. so almost 10 years uh, mm -hmm. since I started picking up, you know, uh, Ableton and, and teaching myself the game. And um, about five years into that, started Daddy Nat and uh, never looked back, man. Kind of just was like, you know, had finally found my, uh, 
my final form, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Wow. Okay. So very first question, let's go back to the very first gig of the suffocating vegetables in Athens, Texas. <laughs> you got it. Right. The very first gig and you're the lead singer, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Give me, did, do you remember the song you opened up with for your very first gig? <laughs> Oh, dude, I do. Uh, okay, so it was, uh, I don't remember exactly when it was. I think we're talking 2005 or 2006. Uh, but it was at the Lakeview Lodge, which I don't believe is uh, longer around, but it was basically a, one of the buddies in the band. His parents owned this kind of like dive bar uh, that they had in Austin, Texas. And they had always had aspirations of like letting the bands, letting bands play there. In fact, they'd had a couple bands play there. Mostly like you know regional metal bands and shit like that, but yeah. uh, but but we ended up going up and uh, and playing and the very first song. Uh, so there were two songs that that are super memorable from this gig. But one is uh, uh, "All Right Now." I think it's by Free. Is that right? What? All right. Classy. Classy. Dude, that was so. I still love that song to death. It's such an epic song, and the solo in it and shit is. It was just. Like it, it was, uh, that was, that wasn't the first song we learned as a band. The first song we learned was you shook me all night long, uh, by ACDC. Okay. <laughs> but, nice. but, but yeah, man, it was, uh, you know, we were like deep in like the classic rock. That's know? great. And, uh, well, you bet. I mean, if you're going to play all right now by free and you're in junior high or high school, dude, you're, I, I hope your bass player was money. Cause I mean, there's a line in there you got to cover, right? Dude, uh, he actually still uh, lays some bass lines for me every once in a while. His name's Sam, and he uh, he was killing it, brother. Now, we had it. you know, that's the funny thing. When you're that young, you have different people switch positions in the band. So sometimes the drummer would be the bassist, and sometimes the keyboardist would be the drummer. But, uh, but yeah, man, it was uh, fortunately on that one. <laughs> we had the right guy for the job. You took me back to the, the reason why I asked that, and I don't know why my brain thought of this is, but you took me back to my very first gig, which was in April of 84. And I was the lead singer for my band. And it was in the basement. It was in the basement cafeteria of the Catholic school that I, that I went to. And the very first song that I sang as a lead singer at a Catholic school was, was twisted sister. I want to rock. I was like, Go, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Man. And and I love your point about like people switching around instruments when they're that age because they're so dumb they don't know any different, right? Like exactly. we were we were so bad, we were so dumb that when we saw, like we love Tears for Fears and the song Everybody Wants to Rule the World, we covered right. But here's how dumb we were. We were like, oh well. They didn't have a bass player in the video, so there's no bass in the song. And we're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, right? So, like, the bass player sat out, and we're like, boy, that sounds like shit. I wonder why that sounds like You know? Oh, uh, <laughs> dude. It's, it's almost like – it's actually beautiful, like, those early oh, yeah. days. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's actually so awesome. Like, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm very fond of those memories. And I'm – you know, it's, it's weird, man. Like, you kind of just get the, the itch for it. And it never goes away, you know, for a lot of, for, for not for everybody. There's a lot of those guys I was playing with who aren't playing anymore, but there yeah. are a, a couple who still are. So it's, uh, it's, I'm very fond of those childhood memories with the, with the suffocating vegetables. <laughs> well, tell me, and that's a great name, by the way. It <laughs> <laughs> came from like summer camp, I think. And we were just yeah. like all cracking up over band names. 
<laughs> yeah, I yeah, like that same band. Like a couple of years later, we I think the last gig we played, we were called the Tropical Croutons. Like just you know whatever, <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Tell me about. I have I've never been to New Zealand. I hear like without an exaggeration, I hear it's like the most beautiful spot on the planet. Like, tell me about. The, the music scene down there in, in Christchurch and um, yeah. Dunedin, like, what was that like? Yeah, bro. Uh, New Zealand's absolutely insane. Like, I, I still don't understand how I had the situation, like, the you know, my, my parents were very supportive. <clears throat> Originally, I was looking to go to school out of, uh, out of state, uh, and that shit is just bonkers expensive so new zealand uh on the on the on the flip side strangely enough it was actually like pretty darn affordable kind of similar to going to school at like a, a, a you know a ut or something like that in texas yeah. um and so and also the the u.s dollar was like you know i think almost double what the new zealand dollar was so there's a lot of reasons why it kind of like worked out uh for me being able to go there both from like you know sounding like an awesome idea and also just financially speaking but uh but as i got over there man yeah i uh i started you know had a couple days on like all the major cities but kind of fell in love with the south island uh, particularly because there were mountains that you could go snowboarding and there was like ocean that you can go uh surf at it's it's absolutely stunning highly encourage anybody if they ever have the opportunity to go um you know it's it's uh you got to check out the south island North Island's really cool too. A little more tropical, a lot of more beaches and, and stuff like that. But uh, but the South yeah. Island was uh, where I spent most of my time. Christchurch, man, um, really cool. Very unfortunate with kind of all the earthquakes that happened. For those of you who maybe aren't aware, in 2011 they had a a couple serious earthquakes. I, maybe one was in 2011, one was in 2010. Uh, but the second one ended up being quite devastating to the city infrastructure and um, and ended, ended up, you know, the whole town and university almost shut down for basically the rest of the semester. So I, uh, you know, was was trying to, to keep things going. So I went down to the Dunedin and, um, and, and, and both scenes, I would say, had a pretty heavy rock influence to answer yeah. your question about the sound. Um, like, I'm trying to think the best way to describe it. A lot of indie rock. And there's also a ton of sort of reggae-influenced uh, music. Really? Yeah, like, they almost call it, like, barbecue reggae. There's a, there's a band, if anybody's – you might have heard it before. There's a band called um, uh, 660, which was actually a band that was founded in uh, Dunedin. And it basically lived in a house called 660 Castle Street. And the, the oh. name stuck for 660, but they uh, have now gone on to be, you know, they're they're huge these days, and uh, they kind of like I don't know instilled the what they call kind of like barbecue reggae, which is just it's really feel good reggae with like soul singing over it. You know, there's a lot of uh, kind of uh, I don't know, is it like UB40 kind of thing. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's not a bad that's not a bad uh, example. I'd say a little bit more like. Um, you know, they just got some really good singers, especially like from the Maori culture uh, yeah. over there. Like that, that, uh, that just, yeah, like they just have that soul voice that sounds, I think, amazing. It's just such a feel good vibe over a kind of a reggae beat. I am surprised that there's a reggae influence there. I, I, one of my favorite classes when I was at music school was, um, um, ethnomusicology. And we spent several months talking about, uh, the music that came out of Oceania and Australia and New Zealand and, and Southeast Asia, yeah. um, 
and reggae never came up. And when I think of New Zealand, obviously, I mean, if you're younger, you're going to think of Lord. Um, right. But I, but you know, with me and my gray hair, I'm going to think of Split Ends and Neil yeah. Finn, and sure, you know, and more of the more of the singer songwriter vibe. So. Um, I, I'm surprised to hear that there was such a rock influence or the or a reggae influence as well. That's that's really neat. Um, so you get out of so you you go back to Austin and like you said uh, earlier, you know you you start diving into Ableton and you kind of find who you are artistically. Um, but you've got an interesting pop and soul vibe to you, like. Who who are some of the biggest influences that you have that help you uh, create songs like uh, One Night and and um, you know and 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 that 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 speak to that genre? Yeah, man. I think a lot of it. Uh, you know, I grew up on a lot of Motown, so like you know, basically that was like what my parents probably played the most growing up. Yeah. Um, and so you know everything from uh, like. I, James Brown's one of my favorite artists probably also of all time. You know, there, there's a lot of artists that kind of came out of uh, just like the songs. Look, the singers are amazing and the instrumentation is amazing and all that stuff. But there's also like a good vibe to them. You know what I mean? Like there's a, and a lot of Motown records, even though they were about some of them about some of the saddest stuff. They're just such like upbeat uh, records, you know, like Marvin oh, yeah. Gaye, like, you know, like yeah. it, all these all these guys. Um, that I, uh, that, you know, I'd say I, I grew up with, again, a lot of pop from that. So I'm not really going deep. A lot of this was surface level. My parents weren't like musicians. So a lot of the stuff that we'd listen to was just kind of like, they love that, those soul records. Uh, although I wasn't really, you know, uh, as into it, a lot of country influence, you know, in, in my, in my hometown being in East Texas and kind of just, yeah. you know, and, and I almost, uh, rock was like a safe haven for me because it was kind of like the opposite of country it felt like or whatever you know and whereas not, not all country's bad i like a lot of country today also but no i get it but if you're it, growing up in texas and everybody's shoving george Strait down your throat <laughs> exactly you know? and there's nothing wrong with george Strait, but you know just being the standard teenager you're gonna be like whatever sex pistols <laughs> exactly exactly so uh so I kind of steered away from that a little bit, although I've leaned into my, I'd say, country roots a little bit as time has gone on, uh, you know, just kind of recognizing who you are uh, completely, the full the full version of yourself as an artist. Um, and those are my roots. But but yeah, man, I, I would say uh, outside of that, you know, I did uh, I did listen to all kinds of, you know, hip hop, everything from, you know, because uh, as I was growing up, right, this is. 2003 to 2010 is when I was kind of like middle school to high school. And so there were a lot of influences this time where everything from Eminem to Little Wayne to all these, you know, sort of ends of the spectrum in terms of, uh, of, of, of music. And that kind of just got me to where I always felt like, even when I, I tried to write songs in a rock and roll background back then, I was always trying to do something unique. I was always trying to do something that was like a little more cutting edge with my vocals. So if I was rapping a little bit on certain songs at that time, that not a lot of people were doing that. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, at least in the scene that I was in, right? Or uh, even with my melodies, kind of taking a different approach um, than with also while also having this kind of I don't know more of a classic uh, soul and rock background that I that I grew up on. 
Um, yeah. and, and I try to blend the worlds together. That's kind of where we've landed with Daddy Dad, you know? <laughs> well, I think, I, I mean, I definitely hear the Motown now that you mention it, especially on one night, right? Thank you. Yeah, the don't, yeah. don't, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I mean, and my God, like, if, if you listen, if Motown doesn't make you smile, then you need to see a cardiologist because there's something <laughs> wrong. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's feel good vibes. Yep. Yeah. Who's on your if, if who who is on your Mount Rushmore of of uh, Motown? Who's your top four? Man. Okay. That's a hard, that's so, a hard one. That's that is hard really one. hard. That is really hard. Okay. So uh, Stevie Wonder, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Can I add like a band? Because like the Temptations are like. Yeah, yeah, you got to well, the, the Temptations are like, uh, they're up there. Marvin Gaye, for sure. How many Mount, do we have four or five? <laughs> we have four or five. Four. Yeah, four. Four. All right, all right. Four. sorry. You know what? <laughs> hey, man, we're musicians. Geography and history is not our strong <laughs> thing. That's what I'm saying. I focus on only, you know, social media music. That's all my brain has capacity for. Okay, so we got Temptations. We got uh, Marvin Gaye. We got Stevie Wonder. Man, I mean, if James Brown can be thrown in there, it's definitely James Brown. If not, then maybe like the Jackson Five. I mean, because just so many good songs. Uh, yeah, that's a hard question, isn't it? Sorry, it's that's hard. A, it is. Mm -hmm. It's a really hard question, but uh, I like I like it. <laughs> well, okay. So here's another one that I love to ask people: like, if you, like, if you could take one night or the song we opened with, Happy Birthday, or the song we're going to close with, One Day. Sure, sure. And and any Motown artist could cover it. Who, who Oh, who, my God. Who would you want to cover it? <sighs> and then I'm going to put a completely different spin on that, but answer Motown first. So I'd be, I'd be cool with, oh, my God. I mean, probably The Temptations, just because, like, because um, – and what song? The, the overall flow, and probably one night. One, probably one night, just because, like, if you think about it, uh, do 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 do. Like, there's like there's a, you know, there's a there's a lot of uh, similarities between that song. So if anybody was gonna do it justice, all, all of them could. For the record, all of these yeah. guys would crush it. But uh, that's who I'm gonna go with. <laughs> I'd like to see what I'd like to see the choreography personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, all right. Now let's take the same song one night and let's say, give me somebody to cover it, but they have to be completely out of your genre. Like, Ooh, okay. I, I'm talking like, all right, I want to hear Sepultura do one night, or I want to hear. Willie Nelson do one night. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so can I, I, I got a couple that come to mind, um, but I don't know if this is too close, but uh, are you familiar with uh, Unknown Moral Orchestra? No, you got me on that one. Unknown okay, so, Moral Orchestra? Yeah, it's a crazy-ass band name, but they were, uh, they're, they're from New Zealand as well, um, and they were kind of like the up-and-coming band whenever I was there. We call them UMO for short. It's kind of like what you know most of the fan base refers to them as, uh, their moniker. But, uh, but the, the, the beauty about them is they kind of have this like, they were in the band called The Chicks in New Zealand prior, and... Uh, and they had this super epic punk sound. And then he kind of did a 180 turn to kind of like, I don't know, like psych pop isn't the right word for it, but it's, you know, of that kind of oceanic Tame Paula wave, if you're uh, yeah. at all familiar. Whoa. 
yeah, oh. so uh, so they would be really cool. And then if I'm gonna go something else from Oceana, who might uh, there's another band called uh, King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard. I oh think my god, I love those right. guys, dude. Exactly, oh my they're, god, so they're so athletic, amazing. Right? So, but they would be complete opposite end of the spectrum of temptations <laughs> if we're really going like a complete 180. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I was just and um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what about this band? What, what about this band from Australia? Um, have you heard of Tropical Fuckstorm? Dude, I've uh, I haven't listened to them, but I've seen somebody on like either Facebook or Instagram or somebody post about them before. Which the names are impeccable. I'm not gonna lie. Australia and New Zealand are so good at band names. Yeah, they. You know, I. Why is that? Like, do they just feel left out from the rest of the world because they're so I far down they're there? They're just like, like Screw you guys. We're gonna do whatever we want. Yeah, I think they're just cheeky, man, and and funny, you know, and growing, living on an island, I guess, you know, they got uh, they got some funny guys over there. Yeah, that's one of those names that, like, when you bring and you can see me typing on my phone because I was like, oh, what's the name of that? Right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I mean, and that they're from Melbourne, uh, Victoria, Australia, but that's yeah. that's one of the the names of those bands that's you kind of like feel you feel guilty, you feel dirty saying it, right? <laughs> Even though like. I mean, you can see my hair. You know, I'm like, you know, you can see what I'm wearing. Like, I don't care, right? But still, I'm like, gosh, golly, that's that's a strong name, you know. No, I hear you. I hear you. It's uh, it's <laughs> it, it, it is probably less polarizing today, but still very polarizing. And definitely, when I came out back in the day, or if if they did, uh, they uh, they would have made some waves. Yeah. Hey, I wonder if their mom, if their moms go to their show. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the most supportive <laughs> yeah well all right so tell so here's a basic question that i love asking people and i don't mean to i don't mean to trip people up when i ask them this but sure what, what, what why do you like songwriting what, what what is in it for you selfishly why what, why do you do it yeah so there's a few different ways to kind of address this uh question the, the, but the i'll tell you kind of like three different <clears throat> reasons i guess the first is uh is that it is the one thing throughout all my life and i have definitely tried all kinds of different things over the years that i have just felt you know like i was meant to do it i don't really know how to describe it other than that it just whenever i did it it made me happy Whenever I did it, 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 it was something that I uh, could, could see my progress in every time I approached it. And it was really driven, you know, not really by wanting of anything at first, other than just being able to like play this riff or, uh, you know, uh, you know, sing, sing this lick. And eventually, you know, it evolved into uh, me kind of just, that just continued to progress over the years. It just continued to progress that I fell in love with every aspect of it. And um, although there were times maybe in high school where I might take a month off and not playing guitar or something like that, right? It would have been, it was always something that I came back to uh, diligently and I, and I stuck with it. And so, uh, so I love it. You know, that's kind of the first one. I don't really know how to describe it, but, but, and that love has given me a skill set and a faith in my skill set just over, you know, we're talking, you know, almost, almost a couple decades now. Um, yeah. and so, so that's the first thing. Um, the second piece is that, uh, like, I think it's, it's really cool to be able to go and like, some people are just artists, you know? And I think like it, it, whenever yeah. you, you need to express yourself in, in some way. 
And I think uh, both through music and as I'm growing to like social media more and more and learn more about it, um, I think there's a way that you can brand yourself uh, in a way that if my grandfather could have done it or my great-great-grandfather, you know, I was named after my uh, great-great-grandfather who we, his name was Nat Kurtwright. We all called him Daddy Nat in our family. Um, and uh, his, his, there was Daddy Nat Jr. I'm technically Daddy Nat the third. <clears throat> but, uh, but basically, you know, if they could have harnessed the power of the internet today, um, they were both entrepreneurs and they both would have done, uh, you know, th if they knew what the power they had, they would have taken yeah. advantage of it. And yeah. I think that we're in a unique situation right at this moment in time and have been over for the last, you know, uh, at least decade where you can leverage the internet to build something um, that you're passionate about. And I don't think this will always be like this. I don't know, you know, who knows, right? Like there's all kinds of things that could happen in the future. But I think we're seizing a moment now, and I think it's still gonna be around for another 10, 20, 30 years, but eventually there's gonna be a time where it's much more saturated, much more difficult to do it, and it's, it's, it's quite literally not free to do, you know? And sure, there's time and energy that goes into it, but mm -hmm. there's not gonna be platforms that you can leverage to, to grow um, in the same fashion, grow an audience in the same fashion as you can today. So that's kind of just like more of my entrepreneurial side of brain. And then to, to finish it off, uh, the most beautiful thing about music is that once you write a song, it becomes an asset that you can just continue to add to your, you know, music portfolio. You know what I mean? I, I, and I don't mean to yeah. sound too business here, but like, it's true. Every song, like a lot of musicians don't think about it like this. I didn't think about it like this for a long time. But once you start releasing music and once you start slowly gaining an audience for that music, they can become assets that pay serious dividends over the long run. You know, and, and not only that, you have people who have life meaningful, you know, ex life experiences uh, while listening to your music. And that, you know, can live on uh, forever, especially with platforms like Wavelake, where you're completely, you know, separated uh, from from the monotony of, you know, things like Spotify and Tidal and Apple Music and all these various streaming platforms. So, you know, um, those are kind of my three pillars. The start, though, is always just because for whatever reason, man, it's what I've always loved to do. <laughs> it's just yeah. the thing that's kind of like, it, it, everything can become work, but I, I always come back to it. And I feel satisfied after a long day of work, you know? Are, are you able to do it full time? Are you? Are, so I, you I, I am, man. I, uh, wow. I, I, so very, very fortunate. And I will say, you know, there's, there's more to the story, right? I, uh, I moved to Austin and, and was working a full-time tech sales job uh, for my first, like, you know, eight years, I guess, basically for me moving here. And in uh, 2020, I had saved up quite a bit of money and I was planning to kind of make the jump and then, uh, and also was making money for my music at that point. But then COVID happened and there was a lot of uncertainty. So uh, in March of 2022, ended up leaving the day job and uh, have been having as much fun as possible ever <laughs> since, dude. Obviously it's, it's made it more of a job, but it's been, uh, that's been my lifelong goal. You know what I mean? Was to figure out a way to eventually be able to sustain myself from my music. And, uh, and obviously, you know, there's other things that were involved in that journey getting there, but, yeah. uh, but, but yeah, man, like, you know, value for value is real and, and we need to, you do need to figure out a way to, you do have an opportunity to live the life that you want to live. I think in today's era and, and, uh, and making music, you are providing value. So I think, you know, that's the most beautiful thing about all this is that it's going to become easier and easier to, I think, make a living 
as time goes on for the up and coming musicians, especially the ones who are in love with it and making, you know, art, you know what I mean? Like serious, serious crafts. uh, Yeah. Well, how how did you, I, I love the point you make about your songs becoming assets and looking at it like a business because not enough musicians look at it like a business it's it's unfortunate but you have to look at it like it's a business it's tough Um, it's tough yeah i mean because we all just want to be kumbaya and go stand on the corner and play guitar i mean you know and we all want to do what you do in social media which is have people come in and join us because that's the community of music but and that's the that's the gift that music gives all of us that's the gift that it bonds you know all of our worlds together you know you can have 10,000 people uh, in an arena down in Christchurch listening to Maori music and Split Ends and Lord and, and ACDC and everybody's like, all, you know, they're all in the same spirit, you know? For sure. Um, but how did you, um, how, how did you, I mean, since you, you referenced Value for Value and you referenced Wave Lake, um, how did you find them? How did you find Wave Lake? How did you find Bitcoin? Yeah, man. So, uh, man, Bitcoin, long story there. But uh, I, uh, so while I was in Dunedin, New Zealand, um, I'll, I'll start with Bitcoin. While I was living in Dunedin, New Zealand, uh, there was a buddy of mine who was quite um, just like quite technically savvy, uh, knew a little bit about coding, and was just, you know, deep in the interwebs of Reddit and the internet, <laughs> which in 2011 or 2012, like Reddit was huge at that time as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was uh, kind of an emerging place. And, and that's where I got a lot of almost every, all my news information at that time and just everything. Uh, but anyway, I walked in, we, we lived in this kind of big dorm at the time and uh, his name was Maddie and, and Maddie had not come out of his room and it was 4 PM. So he'd been in his room all day long. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go check on Maddie, see what's going on. So I walk in, he's sitting on uh, his his mattress, which is just basically on the floor. You know, doesn't even have like, you know, whatever. But he's sitting there, cross-legged, computer screen in front of him, dark room. And uh, he's basically reading this sort of Reddit thread uh, or uh, about Bitcoin. And, you know, at the time, it was about $1.25, uh, which was, you know, I had no idea what Bitcoin was at all. At this time, I yeah. was just simply like, you know, wow, that's an interesting, you know, and it's gone up from 25 cents or something like that. You know, it's just, it is, it has grown uh, so much. So, uh, so I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. And uh, I didn't buy any, although we kind of talked about buying them. A bunch of the people in the, in the flat or the, you know, the apartment that we were living in uh, wanted to chip in. And then we had some bill come up and didn't end up doing it. And so, but from that time, I just kind of paid attention. Uh, to it, you know, uh, to some degree. And about eight bucks, I ended up sending um, my, everybody I knew, like my folks, my uh, my brother, you know, my, my cousins, my uncles, everybody I knew who had money. I was like, look, this is $8. It's gone up from $1.25 since I first saw it. Put a thousand bucks into it. Forget about it. Here's where you can go to do it. And this time, I can't even remember where it was. And just everybody just, I dude, I had like probably 40 or 50 replies that were just like just, just skeptics after skeptics just basically shitting on it and uh and i was like you know arguing with them to a degree but was like all right whatever um and so uh, how many people took it nobody dude literally oh. zero people did it and so uh i'm sitting there and i moved to austin in 2014 and at this time 
2013, I saw it go up to 160 bucks. And I remember in that exact moment being like, it's all over. I can't believe I missed this amazing, you know, money making <laughs> opportunity. And I remember one of my friends, uh, his name, <laughs> uh, what is his name? Uh, Matt. Oh God, I'm forgetting his last name right now. But anyway, Matt basically was like another Matty, uh, Matty and Matt. But, uh, but Matt basically went and bought one Bitcoin that day for $161. And I remember thinking, are you out of your mind? I, I, I genuinely was like, how could you ever have bought this at $160? It's going to go right back down, right? Um, yeah. Which it did, but it still, if you just would have hodled, <laughs> if you just would have held on to it, then it would have worked out. So needless to say, Bitcoin was on my radar for kind of from 2011, and I was always interested in it. But I was sitting on the sidelines because I was broke, candidly, you know, in college. Um, you know, I, I had uh, my, my tuition and stuff paid for, but, you know, daily expenses, it just wasn't something that, you know, I uh, really felt like I had the, the liberty of doing. You know what I mean? And then whenever I got uh, to Austin, was paying attention to it, was interviewing even at a Bitcoin mining company at one point, trying to get a job there, uh, was just fascinated about it, had bought some, it ended up going... I don't know, to a few hundred bucks, I think. And this was uh, maybe maybe 2016 or 2015. I'm not exactly sure which year it was. And I ended up selling it, completely got on the sidelines. And uh, in 2017, I, I really started to see the light again. And I saw all these other coins coming out and I saw all the speculation going involved with them and slowly just started to realize that there is one uh, cryptocurrency that is unlike all the other cryptocurrencies. And that is and that is Bitcoin. That is the one that, it, you know, I can go and play and I do. I like to have fun on all the other chains and I like to learn about all the cutting edge technology. And I, and I uh, you know, I get bit in the ass for half of it and some of it does OK. But Bitcoin is unlike the rest of these. And I yeah. kind of just slowly um, started accumulating. And uh, dude, when I quit my job initially, you know, Bitcoin was like uh, 55K or something like that. So I was like, this is sitting nice. Uh, you know, this, this is, uh, is going to be, you know, sweet. And of course, uh, it's coming back. But it's, yeah. I think, it, you know, but it, it was, um, I've been able to figure out that it's the, the bear markets and all these times where things go up and down. It's really where you can go dig in and learn stuff because it's not so crowded at those times and you can you know, dig a little deep. So uh, that rolled into, you know, me learning a little bit more about the Lightning Network, me kind of uh, getting exposed actually through like a Bitcoin conference uh, of sorts, uh, yeah. like a local meetup that we have here in Austin uh, that we meet at a place called the Bitcoin Commons. And uh, a guy there, uh, his name is John, basically told me that, hey, you know, you uh, – you should check out Wavelake. Like, and I'd heard about others, right? I'd heard about uh, Sound XYZ, which is not the same thing, but I'd heard about these other platforms that people were trying to leverage to like um, leverage their music on the on the blockchain in some capacity. But I hadn't heard more for one that was compelling with Bitcoin yet. And uh, dude, just got on there and immediately just started learning more and more, and you know, uh, had the pleasure of. Uh, you know, going on, a, on another podcast before this that I had the, you know, opportunity to learn even more about value for value. And uh, yeah, man, I'll tell you, it's once you really start to admire how perfect the ecosystem is for Bitcoin and now that we're building upon it and all of the, I don't know, just like 
horrible things that can go on in terms of like scams on other projects and other altcoins. Bitcoin is truly a safe haven, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's evolved into something that is much bigger than than I think most people give it credit for. And uh, and I think it's truly like the I don't know one of the most life changing, perhaps the most life changing thing that you could invest your time learning about. Uh, maybe ever in human history. I try to think about it that way. Well, how would you explain value for value to um, to a musician? Like you know, I mean, Austin's full sure. of great. Austin's sure. full of great players. Like, like you know, um, how how would you explain it to to another musician to try and get them on board? Sure. Well. I will say I probably won't bring up Bitcoin at all at first. You know, like my, my whole thought is, is that value for value purely as a concept is, okay, you get paid uh, a third of a penny-ish from Spotify every time somebody goes and streams your music, right? But you yeah. don't have any relation-ish, right? And that's if you're lucky. That's if you're in the highest paid territories. Um, so if you get that, then that's great. I guess, you know, you're making some sort of, I make, I make a living and a lot of it comes from streams. So I'm not here to crap on streams. They, they do help, but you need them in volume to be able to be successful there. And I have currently, I don't know, anywhere between 150 and 250,000 monthly listeners. It kind of fluctuates, right? Uh, and, and, and those all are people who are coming and listening to my music at least once in a 30 day or 28 day period. But I don't have any relationship with them. And not only that, every single time that they go and stream my music, I'm getting such a small minority for the value that I am very likely bringing to them with my music. And I don't, not all my songs are this, you know, lot in the park, but some of them people have meaningful life experiences with, you know, it brings value to them in a way that's almost like unexplainable, untangible. Um, and, uh, and I think what value for value sets up is that, Instead of you paying Spotify or one of these platforms to where you're going to be, you know, um, giving money to a platform to then pay out the artists on the back end, you're finally making it peer to peer. You're making it to where you can directly feel good about listening to something for infinite amounts of time, just like it was back in the day when you bought records. And yeah. you, so this time, it's all going to the artist. You know what I mean? And then on top of that. It's, it's, it's not our uh, archaic uh, technology like records. I still like records, but I'm just saying, like now you can connect it to things like this, like this podcast, where you can directly um, you know, split funds whenever the music is enjoyed by other audiences. So you know, kind of a long-winded way of saying that it is quite literally a way for you, who's providing value as an artist into this world, to receive value that's fair and that's based upon how much value it gives to that person in their life. Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I don't lead with Bitcoin either because it, it can turn them off. Right. Um, I just, I lead with, Hey, there's another revenue stream out there here. Let, let me talk to you about something that I think you should add to your business plan. Like keep doing exactly. Spotify and iTunes and YouTube and TikTok and everything else, but add this into the mix and add Noster into your mix. Exactly. And, um, and because you're going to get compensated directly because likes and hearts don't mean shit. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they really they don't. don't. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's so cutthroat out there in that social media world that as something like this emerges, 
it is going to be a slow, a slow increase, you know, but we will also on these platforms hit a uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, breaking point to where we shoot up in volumes and volumes of people are going to come into the space. And the early adopters, in my opinion, are going to um, greatly benefit from that. If you if you were here early and you were, uh, you know, continuing to stay in the space and, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see how we're able to just continue to build on top of Bitcoin, man. And, and I think it's just so, such, so much more of a safe haven in the land of cryptocurrency. It really can't even be compared to anything else. Uh, and it's, it's just so exciting to see this stuff built on top of it. Yeah, I was, I was in the last Artist Hour um, podcast uh, this, um, that came out on Sunday the 18th. This one's coming out on Sunday the 25th. But on, yep. in the Artist Hour podcast on Sunday the 18th, I was, I was talking with Real Richard, who is um, an electronic and hip-hop guy out of the Bay Area. Got it. Cool. And he's got about 10 songs up on Wave Lake. He's pulled in, I don't know, like you know, a couple hundred thousand couple hundred thousand sats he's doing well and he, he and i were talking about when this becomes mainstream um and and what i hear from a lot of people is that you know we're probably five years out four or five years out right um and i disagree with that um i, I he, here's my hypothesis that i really hope comes true sure uh and there's and there's two scenarios Number one, somebody, uh, let, let me just say that I, I think that this thing is going to absolutely blow up within a year to two years. Wow. And, awesome. Yeah. Because awesome. <laughs> there's a lot of good talent that's coming over here and somebody is going to go mainstream from, let's just call it the Bitcoin space, right? Right. It could be you, it could be Iro out of- yep. Virginia, it could be uh, FM Rodeo, who I interviewed. Love those guys. Uh, it could be Joe Martin. It could be um, even Real Richard. You know, he's he's more of like a Calvin Harris type, uh, you know, electronic DJ. I but somebody's, somebody's going to go mainstream from this space, and, they're, and people are going to be like, well, where did you get your start? How did you pay for this? How did you do that? And they're going to go, Bitcoin. Exactly. What? Yeah, RSS feeds, Noster. They're going to be like, what? And then you know, and it's going to blow up or here's another way of doing it. Some, there is going to be some, um, household name, some legacy yep. artist, somebody like a Hunter Hayes or a, um, like a match, uh, a matchbox 20, somebody like that. Sure. Who maybe they like, they're done with their record label. They don't mm -hmm. have a traditional label agreement anymore. Maybe they're even done with their publishing company, and, and, but they're still together, and they're like, screw it, we're going to do another record, and we're going to put it up over here, and, people, and, they're, and they are going to drive traffic over here. Um, the technology is there. We know it works. We know it works on you know, true fans and Podverse and Podcast Guru and Fountain. Um, we know it works you know, uh, over on Wave Lake. In the last seven months, we've seen uh, the wallet splits and everything uh, finally come around to to reflect multi-splits that are required for professional songwriters such as yourself and people in Austin and the people here in Nashville. Um, and um, I, I, I don't think it's going to take that long. I, I think something's going to pop. Something's going to hit. I, you know? I think so as well. Also, just um, 
people, what you, what you don't realize is that everything is kind of condensing uh, from just like a, a macro perspective because of the internet, you know, like yeah. information um, just disseminates so much quick, more quickly now because you are getting it from YouTube, you know, like so many videos are uploaded on YouTube all the day about absolutely everything. Or you can read about it on Twitter or, or X rather, or, or any Nostra platform as well. But, but yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that information just spreads so much quicker today. And so as the word gets out about this, um, it's really like in my eyes, it's almost even just one TikTok away from somebody explaining how they made X amount of money, especially in like a bull cycle, which I think we're entering into right now uh, yeah. with Bitcoin. You know, I think that it, that it doesn't take much for the dots to connect whenever, uh, even if it's an independent artist, you know what I mean? Who, who is um, like me or like anybody else who's on this platform, you know, basically just trying to push their music in all the possible ways. And through that finds a home because that's the one thing that you'll notice it's different about a platform like Wavelight. Like people are actually going out and they're and they're sending you sats, you know, for 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 your work. They're giving you value for the value that you give to them. And it really only takes like that concept, um, I think once either the right influencer, the right TikTok video, the right whatever, uh, when it goes, it will it will spread rapidly. And we'll have a huge influx of users. And not everybody will stick with it, but that will begin the the slow uh, I think grow to where you know maybe it starts with a you know a couple million users then it grows to tens of millions of users to eventually hundreds of millions and you know beyond uh, yeah and, and that is uh, I mean obviously we're a long way from that today but the power of the internet is beautiful and and you can get you know um, it, it just makes sense like it it's, yeah. it, it purely is like it's it's a very difficult thing to for anybody who's trying to make a living from their music, which so many people are in the modern age. Um, and I think to young kids, it'll also be them when they, cause they, they, you know, Bitcoin is not so foreign of a concept. Oh yeah. They're totally right down with it. They're right, down. Exactly. With it. Like I talked yeah. to, you know, my, my, my folks are still kicking it and I love them dearly. <laughs> uh, you know, that they're, they're in their eighties, but when I talk to them awesome. about it, they're, they're like, huh? Uh, <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. <laughs> they, they don't get it i mean but hey like it's 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 okay it's okay like change it, that's the thing that's what almost can show you that you're you're right about it is that like things that are disruptive like this it takes a long time before people really care or see the light or understand uh even if it's right in front of their very eyes for for decades uh <laughs> you know the internet was kind of the same way and then one day it blossoms into something that you're using you know, eight plus hours a day. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's funny. My, my, my wife and I actually met at a dot com um, in, in Santa Monica. Oh, that's awesome. Um, like back in the day, right? Like we each had like 500,000 shares in the company and we got a Palm <laughs> pilot and all this, you know, catered lunches and all this bullshit. Love, you know? love it. Love it. You know, and the, and the whole thing went under in like 18 months. They blew like $45 million in seed money in 18 months. Um, <laughs> But a lot of this energy that we see when we're talking to app developers or or pot or um, you know streaming developers, uh, RSS folks, um, the energy that we see, the the vibe that we get from these guys um, is very synonymous with the, um, the the time when we met. 
And, um, you know, I mean, the folks that are behind the scenes working on the RSS feeds and the Noster stuff and every like, these guys are just so freaking smart, you know. I will Good say God. blockchain has invited, and crypto, but has invited the, the best and brightest and also some of the most devious also in certain aspects, oh, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, but, you're always... But, yeah. But the best and brightest yeah. are here, you know, and, and it's yeah. cutting edge and it's exciting. And um, that's how I approach music. You know, I'm trying to make something that I haven't necessarily, I want it to be 100% me and I want it to be at least um, contemporary. I want it to be modern. I want it to be of its era and, and trying to do something that maybe others haven't done exactly in the same way. And I think yeah. cryptocurrency is kind of a similar thing. You know, people who are here, they, they, they recognize that it's, um, we have an opportunity here uh, that's kind of unlike anything else that's come previous other than maybe the internet. Well, tell, tell us, I mean, damn dude, I can't believe we've been talking for an hour already. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> tell, tell me about, I mean, we're, we're going to end the show in a little bit here with, with one day and I want to get back to songwriting really, really quick. Um, sure. how, like when, when you sit down to, to craft a song, are, are you a bit of a Luddite like me? Like, do you like to sit there with the acoustic or an acoustic piano or do you, or do you start on Ableton? Like, how do you, yeah. what, 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 what's your process? So I try to lean into uh, both of those areas. So some days I try to just write something. Um, sometimes I'll even write acapella, but, or, or on a guitar or on, um, you know, a piano. And I'll have a cook idea and I'll kind of work it out there. But... And that's how I've wrote for the majority of my life. That's how I, I wrote songs, right? You know, kind of come up with a chord progression, write some vocals to it, or come up with a melody line vocally and then write some chords to it and then kind of figure out, okay, based on that, where do I go? You know, how do I, how do I make this interesting? You know, pop, which I've always been to some degree making, even with rock and roll, like the music I was making wasn't necessarily, um, you know, it, it wasn't like... Um, trying to think of a uh, Mars Volta or something like that. Right. It was, it was okay. a, a little more straightforward. Right. And so I've always had, um, I don't know, just trying to write again, music that makes you feel good. Um, and so the, the most common approach that I've gone with today, although I, I do a little bit of everything, and I think it's important to change it up is I'll generally work with either a sample that I create. Um, so uh, either on piano, on guitar, uh, a vocal sample, then I'll bring it into Ableton. I'll kind of like get that main idea built upon it. Uh, like sort of whether it's a guitar riff, whether it's a piano riff, whether it's, you know, a bass line. Um, and then I will essentially kind of, you know, build from it. So it's much more akin to kind of how hip hop, I guess, is created today. And the reason I do that is because I find that it allows me to flow a little bit more smoothly. Um, you know, and of course, if I have something already in mind, I'll just start with that and I'll, and I'll kind of write out the, you know, guitar sample, record some vocals over it and build a song from there. But, uh, but a lot of it is more, you know, kind of whether it's my own samples or samples that I've gotten from other musicians that I like, um, you know, I'll, I'll start there and then I'll uh, basically, you know, build out a rough sketch of whatever the demo is going to be. So I try to you know, get a baseline down, you know, a, a main chord progression of some sort, some drums over it, um, and then from that moment, I'll try to get it to where there's a couple different sections, kind of some flow to the overall instrumental. 
and yeah. I will quite literally just um, get on my microphone and uh, you know put a, put a little effects on my vocals if I, if I'm feeling you know fun and just throw up on the mic. I'll just just give out as many different things, melody ideas, uh, almost just kind of throwing stuff against a wall and just freestyle it uh, for usually three to five takes. Go from there. I'll take the the melodies that I like, and then I'll basically start writing lyrics to those melodies and kind of arrange the melodies in whichever way vocal melodies I'm I'm talking about here, yeah. uh, in whichever sort of uh, yeah. way that feels the nicest. And 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 I just try to be as efficient and smooth as possible. And I try to go off of what feels the best because one of the things that I have struggled with, especially in my earlier songwriting days, was I just quite simply would overthink things, you know? And, and oh, yeah. if I looked to like my, my favorite musicians, and it was really something I struggled with, especially in bands, because you have so many opinions. And one opinion voiced, unfortunately, sometimes can throw off the vibe of the whole song that you're writing. And so um, I try today to diligently just make it as smooth and free, because recognizing that when you're recording everything sort of line by line, you can always go back, as long as you're saving everything, can always go back and redo it, but you don't know what it's going to be like until you try it. And so I try to be as free as possible, you know? Yeah. And I think you can get lost in the recording process too. You can spend so much time, time trying to be a perfectionist that you, it will lose its heart and soul. Exactly. So I think there's a line you got to cross when you're tracking to be like, right. You know, all right, that conveys what I want it to say. Can I sing it? 10 different ways? Yeah, I probably could. Could I play that bass riff five different ways? Yeah, I probably could. But is it conveying what I need it to convey? Yes. Okay. Then that's good enough. Let's keep moving on. Like good enough, you know, I, I don't mean that in terms of the enemy of perfect, but you know, it's right. like, you can, I mean, you can just, you know, hey, man. Like, done, done is better than perfect, unfortunately, in this world, uh, especially when it comes to, to art. And you know, it's, it's one of those things that Again, that is not intuitive to me. That is not yeah. how I grew up with music at all. But mm -hmm. as I have come to make this, put my back against the wall and make it my full-time career, uh, you kind of kind of force yourself to get to a stage where you you have to understand that like it's you know it's a necessary evil. But but even then, like um, songwriting, you, you know, you can't spend. What what I mean by that is, is you can't spend. Not only if you spend too long on a song. Um, will it lose the feel that it once had um, and, and therefore make your songwriting to it uh, probably less inspired from the initial point. But it's also like, you know, this is an asset that we're building here. And the longer you spend on it, um, the, the, the more that uh, resources you are, you are putting into it. And therefore, you know, the kind of the moral ROI you're going to need to be able to get it, uh, you know, to, to, to get to a place to where you feel you know, like you've, you've gotten a return on it at one point. And it's not all about that either. You know, Rick Rubin is one of my biggest influences. Um, really? I love his book, The Creative Act. Uh, really? I know it sounds crazy, but I think the beauty of Rick Rubin is that he um, he's just so free and in the moment and writes whatever he needs to or wants to when it comes. But like music is the craft, whatever it is that you're making, whether it's music, any art, it, you just need to go and input whatever emotion or feeling or thoughts or energy that you have at that exact time, go and write the song. And if it ends up becoming a record that you put out, 
great. If it ends up being a number one record of yours, great. If it doesn't ever end up coming out, great. Like you just need to go create and the rest will come. Uh, I, and- yeah, I can identify. I, I understand why you would admire him. And it took me a long time to admire him as well. I, <laughs> you know? He's full of shit, man. You know, him just kind of like staring with his long beard in the corner. You're like, okay, what's this guy really about? You know, well, yeah, because I'll t- I'll tell you point blank, like I I've got interactions with him from um, from Hollywood back in the nineties. Oh wow! And, yeah, and like like I just remember like walking out of this one particular studio, and he is lying on the couch in clothes that were like you know three days worn, no shoes, just looks like a total dirt bag. <laughs> And, and I overheard a conversation that he was having on the phone and cause he was in the commons area and I'm like, really this fucking guy, Th- this is the fucking guy. And I was so full of piss and vinegar at that time when I was in Hollywood trying to make it sure. as a singer songwriter that I didn't understand the beauty of his artistry of the beauty of what he does. And I, and it makes total sense to me why you why you dig that guy because that's t- that's totally your vibe. Absolutely, that's your vibe. <laughs> um, and and um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like he is he is really g- good at drawing out the true artist. And if you don't believe that, for the love of God, go look at what he did with Johnny Cash. Yeah, exactly, man. My that's, God. that's so powerful. You know, and I think it was like. You know, obviously there's like a lore to Rick Rubin, right? That I think a lot of people fall in love with. But for me personally, it it was that in combination with just all the records. And even then he he did comedy albums with, um, what was his name? Uh, uh, Several, but but I'm I'm trying to think there's uh, The Day the Laughter Died. I'm breaking up, I'm I'm forgetting whatever his name is. He's an absolute icon. Um, It'll come to me in a minute. But anyway, you know, just all these innovative things across the industry. And I think... A couple things that I, I took from him. One is is that you just need to create and create whatever you feel and make it as genuine as possible in that moment. And make it the best as possible as you can. Don't care about the other stuff because it it really it, and that is almost why I've fallen in love with songwriting is because when I go and write a song, like if I want to make a singer songwriter country song that day, I'll do it. Nobody may ever hear it, but like I'm gonna go write whatever I feel like. And I think uh, that in combination with he had this quote where he was like, I think that if you really want to, you know, if you really care about making art and art is the first priority, who cares if you work a day job, you know, to pursue this thing like that. Yeah. If, if you're doing that in service to the art, then then that mm-hmm. is the, the right path as opposed to, you know, not having any money and therefore resources to go pursue whatever you're trying to do. Um, so anyway, it, it, it kind of just flipped my whole perspective on how to approach this game, because you know, there were a number of years where it was a whole lot of fun playing live shows, but it didn't have a, there was a whole lot of money that was spent as opposed to money made. You know what I mean? So, yeah. When you do your live shows, is it you and a band? Is it you, you and yeah. tracks? Like, what, what, what do you do? You, you got so, a full band? Uh, we do use Ableton. Um, but, uh, okay. yeah, you, you, so I have a drummer with me always. So I'll have, and he'll be playing. Um, live drums kind of and he'll have some like you know triggers and stuff that he can use uh, to go alongside of it but the tracks are going through Ableton 
Um, I'll have my vocals also going through uh, Ableton. And then I have a guy who co-wrote a lot of the music with me. Uh, he goes by Lonely Child. Um, and he, uh, he uh, co-produced, co-wrote uh, several of the songs, including One Night. Um, and he'll come and play both guitar and then saxophone on certain Beautiful. songs. And so it's a little three-piece. I would love to have a freaking choir and a bassist and, you know, everything at one point. But, again, you got to scale it, you know. Um, and as I grow, yeah. that'll be something I look into, you know. Well, we're going to we're gonna wrap up. The, I mean, you talked about one night, and it really warms my heart. But, by the way, 12 million streams on Spotify, too. Uh, uh, thank you so Con much, dude. Congrats, brother. Like, that's not easy. That's not easy. And it warms my it warms my heart to hear a guy who's got 12 million on one song and 500,000 on a, on a bunch of others to be such a fan of V for V. Um, but tell us about this um, this next song that we're going to use to close out the show. This song called One Day. What to yeah, tell us man. About. Thank you so much, and uh, I appreciate you. I was wondering uh, when I was going to be able to give the plug for this, but, but yeah, this next song, it means a, a lot to me. One Night is obviously the song that kind of put me on the map, has 12 million streams. You know, I have, uh, you know, some other songs on the way to, to a million in, in streams and plus, but, uh, and, and, you know, maybe across platforms I do, but it is uh, certainly the one that has been magnitudes greater than the other and really just gave me the opportunity to pursue this full time. So I've always wanted to write a follow-up called One Day. And this song was written basically right after I quit my job in 2022. I was, uh, you know, straight out and uh, basically like the first song that I wrote when I went to uh, the studio was, um, was this song. And the whole premise of it is, is that one day, one night can change your life. You know, that's, that was the premise of one night. One day, I'm going to make it. One day, I'm going to be able to pursue my dream and not be pushed down by the thumb of corporate America, which I very much so was in. And so this song is really more of, um, you know, like an anthem for me, basically leaving my job and doing music full time. And it's been one that I've been sitting on it for a little while um, because I feel like it is a powerful song and I feel like it's... Um, you know, I think it has all the right ingredients uh, that makes up Daddy Nat. And so, uh, so yeah, it means a lot to me. Um, and, you know, I, if there's a message in it, it's that one day you can, you know, really achieve whatever you want to in life. Um, whether it's, you know, leaving your, you know, uh, boss that you hate, whether it's leaving a job that's, you know, a dead-end job or a job that you're just unhappy with. Uh, whether it's just one day going and pursuing something like music or an art of some fa fashion, you know, and keeping a day job, whatever it is, whatever your dream is, um, like there's a lot of bumps along the way, but if you stick with it, it'll work out. So that's the plug. Love, <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, Daddy Nat, thank you very much for coming on the show. Stick around. Let's talk a little bit uh, in the, in the, in the green room, so to speak. Um, but this is the phantom power artist hour. You have been listening to the incomparable daddy Nat from <laughs> Athens, Texas, and then Austin, Texas, by way of Christchurch, New Zealand. And this song is <laughs> called song is called one day. Dude. Thanks again, man. Stick around for a second. Thank you so much, man. Trains and I'm running late again. I know my boss is waiting. He 
probably hates me His soul is hollow and vacant Cause he don't take no vacation Pray to God that I make it So I can be something one day That is a lovely follow-up. That is One Day from Daddy Nat down in Austin, Texas. And what you ought to do is take that song, One Day, and play it right after One Night. It's a great follow-up. It's a great theme. I love what he's trying to do with both of those songs. And you can totally tell the Motown influence, man. Like, his stuff just makes me smile. Um, And that's what Motown should do. I I love his... Hustle, I love his appreciate his appreci- appreciation for the game. And uh, man, the dude knows his way around Ableton, that's for sure. So thank you guys so much for listening to the Phantom Power Artist Hour. This has been episode 11. Uh, we got a couple of great ones coming up. Looking to uh, speak with Nate Jonovan uh, coming up next week. And then I think after that, I know Sarah Jade's coming in. Uh, I'm trying to get some of the... Uh, some of the other folks that uh, we've been featuring a lot uh, trying uh, trying to schedule something with the trusted as well as marina osk and uh, hope you guys stick around for those and other than that we thank you guys for listening we thank you for all your boosts and your zaps and your sats and your support of value for value music 
You can find us on Telegram. You can find us on Noster. You can find us at phantompowermusic.io as well as Twitter and Instagram. And that'll do it. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe out there. Smile for the mugshot.